All right, so I want to talk about trajectory, right? And you know, going to the second half of the season, the, the teams that did it right and, and were focused on kind of where they were at and, and making the right moves for kind of where the, the franchise is going, right? So there's kind of a couple stages um, when you're assembling a team. I'll just make it really, really simple, right? So I think, you know, when you're rebuilding, when you're starting from scratch, if you will, uh, your first goal is to get some core pieces, right? You just need to get talent, quite frankly. And obviously your goal is to find a couple of studs. Who are people that you feel could fit? And they don't have to, they don't have to all be all-stars, but here are the people that you could fit in a, a future contending rotation. Can these people make sense in a future rotation that could contend? That's your first goal. So you try to assemble those guys, try to find them. And that's obviously extremely hard. But you know, I think you have to go through a couple of drafts, maybe you know, take a couple of, uh, of shots at some uh, players that that, did, that were snubbed or, or didn't make it from other teams, etc., and find those core pieces. Right, that's step one. Um, and then, as you're building around them, you want to really see how good this team is, right? So, at a certain point, after it's year three or year four, if you feel like you have your core pieces, you kind of can figure it out. You know, and you got to try to figure it out early. Are these young pieces? really, um, you know, future contending pieces or not. And if they're not, you got to be quick about it because their value is going to be maximum at the earliest part, right? So it takes uh, Minnesota as an example. So Minnesota Turbos, they draft Carl Anthony Towns. It looks like he's a, you know, future piece, number one pick. Makes sense, right? Okay. But they give it a shot with him. The problem that Minnesota did, in my opinion, they waited way too long, Right. You know, I think we, we knew a year three or year four uh, of Towns. Can this guy be, uh, uh, you know, a future piece on a contending team as a number one, number two guy? And the answer was unequivocally no. And as a result, you know, if they hadn't moved him earlier, they could have gotten a massive haul because now what happens is other teams that are a later trajectory still see that guy's number one or, or number two piece and see him as the final piece of a contending team. And they're willing to give you quite the haul for that. Okay, you're not there yet, right? So you need to kind of you need to keep starting over basically until you get those pieces. Um, so that's an example of a team that that didn't do it right early enough. Um, was was Minnesota? They, they just you know they didn't, they didn't keep rebuilding. Fine. So that's the first stage, um, and then you know, again you got and then there's that pivotal moment, that fork of the road moment where you're kind of flirting with a, you know, if you're not flirting with the playoff seed, you know, the wins and losses will tell you how good these core pieces are, right? The record doesn't lie. So unless there's some major injury or whatever, um, it, you know, you just got to be honest. Like if you're not winning, it's something with the core pieces. But if you're close to winning now, if your core pieces are, I would say, in the position of flirting with the playoffs or, or in the playoffs, right? Now your main thing is, you know, how do I build around those core pieces and get to that next level, a second round area now? So our first round and out, you kind of test them in the playoffs without building. And then from there, you build, you know, you get a couple veteran pieces. You don't go all in, but you get kind of buy low veteran pieces. Maybe you're if you're already developing enough assets, you can move an asset that's a mediocre asset to get a veteran piece. Not not an A-plus asset, but like a low asset to get, you know, win now vet who... Um, you know, won't cost a ton, right? You're not getting, you're getting rotational vets. You're not necessarily getting game-changing vets, okay? Um, and then finally, you know, if that works and you can make the second round, you're really building upon something, 
okay? Then and only then, um, you know, are you start, what's your second round team really? Do you start thinking like you're winning around the 50s or so? Do you start thinking like, okay, um, you know, let me, let me consider a win now. Let me consider kind of putting the chips all in and going for the title. That's kind of the simple trajectory, right? Okay. So now the, the problem is, right, once you're in that second round-ish area, you know, sometimes it's hard to get the assets to make that win now move, right? We saw this with Utah. Utah, I think, has done a great job getting to that point. And now they kind of have to wait, hope they either hit on some of these assets, guys like Trent Forrest, um, you know, and, and just kind of wait it out. Or, you know, they're not going to get lucky in free agency. There's really nothing else that's going to happen. Um but eventually, after you do that for a couple of years and you stalemate, then it's time to reconsider your stud guys and maybe make another drastic move to kind of change course uh, in the second round area if you're stuck there, right? So, so Utah's at that stage where now I think, as an example, you know, they've, they've gone the second round, I think, a couple of years in a row now. If they go deep in the playoffs again and they lose in the second round, you know, now, now you've got to consider a, a Mitchell move. And, uh, and you got to make sure you're getting, I would say, younger assets with it, guys that could have the opportunity to be better than Mitchell and or be using a future deal uh, with them, right? So as an example, the, the deal I would look for from Utah is something around R.J. Barrett and the Knicks pick, right? Uh, if the Knicks are win now, move now. I would not do that if I'm the Knicks, but I would do that if I'm if I'm Utah, right? Because I think he actually fits and, and all that, right? Uh, but, but the long, long of it is you got to also be self-aware just on your talent and your players and everything like that. Fine. So, <clears throat> now, like, I'll just talk about in history of teams that are in a certain part of the trajectory that kind of messed up in retrospect. Now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but we kind of knew it at the time. So, like, you don't want to overrate or underrate your, your assets, per se. But, like, I'll give you an example. So, um... You know, LeBron's last year in Cleveland, 2000 and, uh, 2009, right? Uh, 2009, yeah. Mavericks won the title. No, no, it was the following year. It was 2010, they won the title. So, yeah, 08, 09. Um, they, um, LeBron's final year, they had a deal on the table. Right, so they had a young, promising big named JJ Hickson, who showed like decent flashes because he was put in position to be successful. That's just evaluation, right? That's not trajectory at all. You got to be smart as current GM and opposing GMs of like why players are playing well, and um, and take advantage of the market value at the time. So Hickson's market value was like sky high, like everybody loved him for whatever reason. It's kind of weird why he never really showed like <coughs> crazy flashes. He was a solid like. Okay, solid, like, blue-collar big. Yet Phoenix was like, hey, we'll give you Amari Stoudemire for him. They're like, wait, what? Now, obviously, Phoenix is doing that because they have no desire to re-sign Amari Stoudemire. He ends up becoming a Nick. But Cleveland has an opportunity in LeBron's final year with the team to vastly improve their title hopes. Now, granted, I get it. There was a 67-win team. Why rock the boat? I mean, like, did we really think J.J. Hickson, is that really going to be the guy? Now, look, I'm all about, like, if you're trading things and, you know, keeping it tight, but there wasn't a world where, like, you were, you were getting way too good of a deal already, talent-wise. 
it doesn't matter. You have to keep LeBron, right? And or at least you know do right, or at least try to win. I mean, you're you're that close. You're a 67 win team. You got to go for it. And even opportunity, you know, they and like maybe they got cocky. They thought they were heavy favorites and they lost in the playoffs. But you throw Amari Steinmeier on that team, and look, I get it. I'm all about like fit and stuff like that. Is Amari the best fit with LeBron? You can make an argument he isn't, right? But I make an argument he actually is quite the good fit because he's an off the ball big. He could shoot a little bit, but in the pick and roll, he's fantastic. <clears throat> and Amare in a playoff series would be great because, again, you have another guy that can control the offense for you a little bit. I mean, that could have been the difference right there of Cleveland getting past Boston, Orlando, I forget what they did that year, and advancing to, to a finals. I remember that was the same year that they had the puppet commercials with, like, Kobe versus LeBron. could have had a Kobe-LeBron finals. But you just had to max it out. So Cleveland, like, way overrated their asset. They're on a trajectory. They had a goal, and they didn't do it, right? They didn't do that, like, little move just to kind of get over the top. It it was a little too much for them. So all I'm saying is teams need to heed that lesson, right? And that lesson is going to be coming up uh, soon, right? We're going to see, you know, in these playoffs, I I think there's a couple teams to look out for that have, you know, potential not in this offseason to make a major move to become great, right? This is a, a rare time in the NBA, I keep saying this, where the, the title is kind of open. I mean, this year definitely is. I think even next year. Now, you could tell me, you know, hey, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn's a clear favorite. All right, maybe, but at least in the West. So, first of all, like, anything can happen. But in the Western Conference, it's wide open. I mean, Golden State is beatable. They're beatable. Um so if you're a team like Denver, Denver I, I look at, right, you have arguably one of the top five best players in the NBA on your team, uh, someone who could win an MVP again in, in Nikola Jokic. And you're doing that without Murray healthy, uh, and namely without Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and now Porter Jr. is going to come back. So the thing you have to think about if you're Denver is if Porter Jr. comes back, first of all, like his fit's a little quirky, right? Let's see how far you go with Porter Jr. come back. I'm not sure if Murray's going to come back, etc. Hopefully Porter Jr. comes back and plays well. And let's see what that team looks like, right? If it does quite well, you know, the problem with Denver is they they, they lose on the edges because the, the owner's kind of cheap, right? So they lose. what I mean by that is, like, losing Jeremy Grant was a big deal. Um, and then, like, you're not making up for it with Dozier. That's actually a, a really big drop. Torrey Craig leaving. Right, these old little things added up. They could have shored up the rotation if they just kept the guys that they played well with. Um, obviously, Murray coming back is going to be big, but they do need kind of like a. I mean, <clears throat> the ideal Porter Jr. kind of fits a little bit, but he's a little <clears throat> outside the lines. They really need like a Demar Derozan type, like a guy who could score in the second half, uh, down the stretch of games. And, and kind of lead them, you know, offensively uh, a little bit. Kind of run their offense a little bit. And I think they thought Gordon was going to be that guy. He's not. Gordon's not the greatest fit. They, they're, they're better off, in my opinion, moving Porter Jr. and Gordon and getting, like, a spacing big who could defend. Um, and, and a wing who could score in the half court. Now, who is that? I, I don't know exactly now. So in, in lieu of that, like that's a team that 
if Porter Jr. plays well in the playoffs, the trajectory will dictate they should probably <coughs> consider, you know, moving him. And again, like, you know, we, we, I, you know, I doubt Utah would do it, but like Donovan Mitchell would be obviously fantastic. I don't think you can get him. Um, but you know, maybe you get involved in a deal here and there to get a, a you know, a, a shooting guard that's going to lead you there. The other teams that you got to focus on trajectory in, in these late playoff stages, like the Knicks are, and we keep talking about it, right? But like they, they really, this core is not going to get it done. We talked about wins and losses being the, the barometer, right? Tells you the truth. Well, look, the wins and losses are telling you like, it, it, you know, that last year was kind of fluky. And even if it wasn't, you were first round and out, you're not there. So, and they, not, they didn't double down. So their rebuild's a weak rebuild because they got like the eighth pick. So they're, they're not there. There's a couple other teams to look at. Chicago is really interesting. So, like, Chicago already went this far in, right? To me, like, it's if they make the first or second round, it's going to be really interesting. So their team is obviously just loaded. Now, their argument is going to be like, well, we haven't been healthy and all that. Which could be fair. But if they don't, if they make the second round, you have AO, right? You got Kobe White. He's doing a sign and trade. Um, Javante Green, Patrick Williams. They need to make a win now move, and I think they got to got to be smarter with how they work their rotation, right? Like, I actually think Levine as sixth man would be better off, right? Let's see if they do that in the playoffs. But um, I'm really curious to see what changes they make as well. So those are the teams I would look at come playoff time. Denver, Chicago, you know, and again, like other teams, like we, we need a couple of years to also figure out who they are. Like Atlanta is a, is a good example. We don't know, you know, who those Hawks are. Let us be surprised. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Until next time.